0: just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient, comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Hi there. We wanted to take a second before we get into this episode to thank you for listening. We really, really love getting to do this show and your support, whether it's by subscribing, leaving us a review or supporting our advertisers is what makes it possible. We are ridiculously grateful. And I'm sorry that I'm going to do a whole like people are asking influencer energy thing here, but sometimes
0: people do in fact ask us if there are other ways that they can support us. Friends, the answer is yes. Our secret menu membership program is a once-weekly members-only newsletter that costs 4 bucks a month and your first month's fee goes straight to charity. We cover all sorts of topics. We're talking shopping, gifting, food, entertainment, even advice, and of course, snacks. You can sign up for it all at a thing or two HQ.com to start receiving it. And you'll even get access to all the back issues you missed. And if you've made it this far without subscribing to our free Monday newsletter, well, what are you doing? Go ahead and rectify that also at a thing or two, HQ.com. If all of that sounds like too much effort, we get it. Maybe just take 15 seconds to go smash some stars for us in the rating section of Apple Podcasts. That helps a ton, truly. Thank you. Now on to the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Clara Mazer, And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at
1: 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two
0: HQ. That's the show. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, all. Um, like all good content, we're starting today's episode with a tweet that we both just mm. <laughs> Chris sent me this tweet and
1: I laughed so hard and for so long. I mean, just kept on laughing, you know? I,
0: I, Claire, I hear you. Share it. Please share.
1: Men only want one thing and it's to open both windows so we can get a cross breeze going.
0: It's perfect. I just didn't
1: know that this was a universal a, a broad thing. thing. Yeah. Because
0: you and I have talked about it as it relates to a thing that Thomas and Chris have in common. And to be honest, like the cross section of their Venn diagram <laughs> just ain't that big. So true. I think we thought that it was like, oh, this like funny shared common interest they have. But apparently there's a much broader base. And I felt than such expected. relief
1: when you also suffered from it and like such comfort because I just, Chris is so committed committed. And I just find it so annoying. And the reason is that our windows are not that easy to close and open.
0: It's a pain. No windows are. Like any crank window is yeah. not. You have a crank window. Yes, crank, we have a crank yeah. window. You we got a crank, crank and then you too. got a little push the little notch in. Of course, Claire. We also have so many plants on our windowsills. Oh. So you have to like, it's very precarious to like. Yes swing your arm on through and be like, oh, don't jab that that cactus there as you slip your arm through. And I've tried to arrange the plants in different formations and it's still a challenge. Well, and
1: God forbid there's a piece of furniture like in front of your window. God forbid. You're doing gymnastics just to get there. It's awful. And so I actually, it doesn't bother me that much that he opens them. Like, fine. No. And I it's, like fresh air. <laughs> same. I like fresh air.
0: He Let just, me be clear.
1: Is not committed to closing them. Interesting, and then yeah. I go around doing it, and it's so annoying because I don't want to sleep with them open. It's never cool enough. I can't sleep with them open. But
0: he I does think, feel he does
1: feel so. He does it so. It's it's all about getting the cross breeze. It's about airing out the space. I'm like, light a fucking candle. <laughs>
0: it's diff- I will say it's different. Okay, but here's the thing. So I read this tweet to Thomas, and his response was to men only want one thing and it's open both windows so we can get a cross breeze going was, I don't know if I only want one thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is
1: a man who doesn't spend enough time on the internet, clearly. Clearly.
0: Clearly. And I was like, mm-hmm mm-hmm, 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 But like part of, so the cell that this had always been to me was that it's like a very Czech thing and that there's a Czech word for this like airing out mm-hmm. of spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, It's called viviatrat. Okay. And it's like, this like this cross breeze, this like airflow, this like get the old air out and the mm-hmm. new air in. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's always been lorded over me as like a cultural thing that I clearly uh-huh. just don't understand. When And cle- you're being
1: culturally insensitive and pushing back against it.
0: You get it. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. And that like, but this is making it clear to me that like, that that's not what's happening. And I'm yeah. not like, I'm not insulting all is people. Isn't, this is
1: in fact, just a standard old American bro trait. <laughs> Thomas don't try to be fancy and European you are a white bread American man
0: yeah Yeah. exactly the when the windows are open and when the windows are closed just like just a constant negotiation in my Mm -hmm. household as it sounds like it is in yours and a lot of conversations about like can we just keep them open And sleep with them open. And I have to do a lot of like, we live on like a fairly busy Brooklyn street corner. Like, Mm -hmm. no, we can't, like, I can't sleep with the noise of whatever's gonna happen at three in the morning. I don't know what's gonna happen at three in the morning. I'm not prepared for that. So we must close the windows in the evening. Absolutely. There's also there's someone who plays like extremely loud and very bad reggae music, whenever it's just like nice outside, you know, like at five, (laughs) five to eight p.m., five to ten p.m. and He'll get so angry about the music, but the windows will will be open. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. And so then I have to do a whole like, I have a secret trick. It's called closing the windows. (laughs) And guess what a difference it makes. You know what's weird is I, and when I have to think about it,
1: hearing my neighbors is actually one thing I sort of like about having the windows open because I do like the sense of like community. And my neighbors also play good music when they play it. They play Motown.
0: Claire, I feel the exact same way. I really like it like on a summer night when it gets like a little mm-hmm. cooler and like the windows are open and you can hear people like chatting or yes. you can hear music or mm-hmm. like people might be outside in their backyard or there's a dog or like yep. whatever. Love all of that and love that communal sense that we're like all living in this place and like isn't that special and cool? It's a great it's the noise of the city. It's the noise of the city. But in order to appreciate those moments, we have to be measured about this. <laughs> That's right. Yes, moderation in everything. Moderation and
1: everything. One thing that's really bothered me is that I have been running a campaign for years about getting a ceiling fan in our bedroom because I just really like to be cool when we sleep. Our bedroom doesn't get great, doesn't get as much air conditioning as the other rooms in our house. And this man who is constantly going on and about and about getting a cross breeze in the house was really pushing back against the idea of getting a ceiling fan. I finally got one this year only because... We had some West
0: Elm store credit and I was able to be like, look, we're only going to have to pay
1: like two cents for this thing. I
0: love Um, this. Um, That's a good campaign. I feel like I need to find a way to get myself some store credit in order to launch a similar campaign. Because Claire, I also do think that maybe the companion tweet to this one Mm -hmm. is women only want one thing and it's to be cool when they sleep.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. So true. I love to be cold when I sleep. Same. Like ideally cold. Ideally
0: like ice cold with a comforter up up to my chin. That's right. That's That's the dream scenario. I hope hope you get a ceiling fan. I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how I fare. I will say that in an automobile, I like to get a cross breeze going and Mm. it's like, and I hate air conditioning in cars. I just hate it.
1: But the thing about it in an automobile is in your hair is like blowing in your face constantly type of well, thing. Well, it's I, like, like you can't
0: hear anything because it's so loud because you're moving. No, I know. I just, I like it. I don't like a window all the way down necessarily. Okay, okay. I mean, if you're moving quickly, no. If you're yeah. like driving in a neighborhood, the window can be yes. all the way down. If okay. you're moving, if as you accelerate, the window has to go up. But yeah. like, I still like it like open, you know, okay. two inches. Yeah. Yeah. Like I find that to be the best way to be in a car.
1: It, car air conditioning is... Absolutely impossible to mod- to like modulate in the way that you yes. want. You're always too cold or too hot in a car, and
0: it's always blowing at you in an uncomfortable way. Like yes. yeah, I yeah. agree with that no. completely. Can't well, this it. has
1: been our conversation about cross breezes and air conditioning <laughs> <laughs> and house home ventilate home cooling, <laughs> home
0: ventilation home. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's our conversation about air conditioning because I don't trust that we won't come back to that separately.
1: Yeah who knows maybe we'll talk about solar panels next week I don't know I'm interested honestly
0: I have some thoughts
1: same I feel like I should get them but then I'm like they're not going to
0: pay for themselves for so long same, same. there are programs who knows I know. I don't know all right I'm well interested. let's do some
1: research we'll come back and talk about solar panels see I was there's always some truth to the joke and the truth is I do want to talk about solar panels
0: <laughs> and I'm on board great 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 Thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. So I feel like I've had multiple conversations with friends recently. And Claire, I think you were there for at least one of them about how much they love phone therapy. Yeah. I, I thought I, everybody I was, was doing Zoom, but some people I really love not having to look another person in the eye. I think that is, and I think that's like sort of a revelation. And we've talked about that some of just like having hard conversations while, you know, walking down the street or sitting in a car or just the way people reveal different things in that way. And the realization I was having when I was like, okay, wow, phone therapy, got it, got it, got it. And I was like, could you combine phone therapy with going on a walk and do like double duty mental health Exercise and
1: therapy all at once. I do think so many people especially the people who prefer phone over Zoom will continue to do phone therapy even when it's safe to go in person because there is that beauty of like, you feel so much safer sometimes saying stuff when you don't have to look at another person and see their
0: physical reaction. And maybe this is the nudge certain people need to like give better help a shot. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Talking to a licensed therapist can help you feel better and achieve your goals.
1: BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online so you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. They have 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states and four modes of communication, text, chat, phone, and video. You can start communicating with a counselor in under 24 hours and schedule weekly secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Anything you share is confidential and if for any reason you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a different one. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor betterhelp.com slash a thing or two. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash a thing or two. Thank you so much to online life insurance agency Haven Life for sponsoring today's episode. Um, life insurance is one of those things that definitely crept up on me. I mean, I remember like when we joined Bed Bath & Beyond and that was something they offered. I was like, I'm too scared to even like
0: wade into those waters. No, thank you. Totally, like, I totally. Totally. Just- <laughs> It's like well, I think we've gotten to a certain age where we're like, is now the time that I do this? Is now the time that I need to think about a will, or just like, what are like the what are the grown up things, and who are the grown ups that are going to tell me that it should be happening?
1: And nobody does, right? I mean, unless it's your mom, and or unless like COVID hits, and all of a sudden my mom was all up in my shit, being like, (laughs) "Do you know what your will, where your will is?" And I was like, "Yeah, my will doesn't exist, so that's where it is." Like things nowhere. Yeah, but the (laughs) thing is, like, even if you don't have kids. If your partner and you have commingled finances, life insurance is an important thing. Like life insurance, it helps financially protect your loved ones in the event of your death. And when you have a partner, kids or loved ones who rely on you financially, it's a way to help make sure they are cared for if anything happens to you. And obviously, it's just daunting on so many levels. Like first being emotionally because you're having to think about death and logistically and the idea of like, who am I going to and what is the process of applying for it look like? Which is why... I get so excited to discover things like Haven Life, which is a really innovative life insurance agency. It's backed and wholly owned by leading life insurer Mass Mutual, And it's modernized the process of buying term life insurance so that it's digital, simple, dependable, and still affordable. There's an easy online application process with great rates for term life insurance, an immediate decision on coverageability, and if approved, coverage can start that day. Haven Life offers up to $3 million in term life insurance coverage subject to age limitations.
0: Applying for term life insurance is easy and affordable and actually maybe even sort of enjoyable. We will prove it to you. Go to havenlife.com. That's havenlife.com. Havenlife is a different kind of life insurance agency, the kind where you can apply online for affordable coverage from the comfort of your couch. No pressure, no hassle, and no unnecessary phone calls. So find the nearest sofa and check out havenlife.com and get a quote to see for yourself. Thank you so much for supporting the advertisers who support our show and let us bring it to you every week. Do you want to start a company but have no idea where to begin? Or do you have dreams of becoming an influencer? Well, the Life with Mariana podcast is here to help. I'm Mariana Hewitt, a Los Angeles based influencer and co founder of the Clean Skincare line, Summer Fridays. Each Tuesday, I'm talking to my friends from business owners, wellness experts, and more to share all of their best advice for you to live your best life. Make sure to tune in and subscribe to my podcast and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what's coming up each week so you don't miss an episode. Okay, so we'll save a check-in on solar panels for another time. But Mm -hmm. today, we're going to check in on creativity.
1: Mm -hmm. Which is like a little bit of an extension of our conversation around perfectionism and the way we feel like it has hindered our creativity in some sense. We both read Big Magic recently, which was all about, you know, unleashing your creative self. And unleashing. I think it definitely was about unleashing. It's definitely about unleashing your creative self. I think in some ways, like this conversation... Started a little bit between us or like this like recommittal to creativity started for me sometime like In late 2019 early 2020 and honestly like when jason poland died yes, which coincided with a time in our lives where we had just You know stopped we just shut down our business and we're like staring through major life transition. Yeah and like staring down our futures and then did so much reflecting on um, the illustrator, Jason Poland's life and like the way he was creative and practiced art, which was so aspirational. And then over the course of the last year, as everyone has been doing, just reassessing like, what am I doing? And like, where, what actually makes me happy?
0: Well, and I was just our friend, Kayleen, um, who we had on the podcast recently, Kayleen Schaefer just recently wrote a piece for the New York Times where she identified something called future block of like Mm -hmm. the inability to plan for the future. And I still feel like I have a lot of that, but like need to be doing something in the meantime that feels creatively satisfying, you know, yeah, or just like that doesn't basically like does having future block mean that I can't like find ways to express myself creatively? No. No. You know? Yeah. And I think leaning into some of that, yeah, is healthy. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So what are we? So what are we doing? What are we doing?
1: So we're checking in on each other's sort of uh creative undertakings because we've both sort of committed to and you like, to having, one. More, yeah, to to having, like having one yeah to having one. Yeah. <laughs> and to trying to be more regular about it. Um yes. ab- about
0: like inserting some creativity in our lives, creative projects, I guess. Yes. So I have been working on a writing project. It's even just like embarrassing and weird and hard to say it out loud. Well, I I
1: actually, I'm impressed with the phrasing. I think writing, like writing project is a beautiful way of not saying I'm writing a book.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. I think Because I don't know if I am. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it, yeah. It's taking the form of YA fiction. I don't know. I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm like embarrassed to say it out loud. Also, I haven't like told that many, I haven't, I, I feel mm-hmm. like I have friends who are going to listen and be like, you are like, why didn't you tell right. me that? Like, that's weird. Well,
1: I think you can also, I mean, what you are doing, it you can frame it to yourself however you like, but like, it's also just like, I'm just writing as a hobby, right? Yeah,
0: totally. Totally. Um, But I am giving it structure and mm-hmm. I think that has been good for me. So there was a minute where I was just being like, let me write some things and like put some things down. And I say on paper, but I mean on a word. screen. We know it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think I got to a point with that where I was like, well, I am enjoying this. And that's satisfying enough. But I think because of who I am, I would like it to have more structure. And I would also Mm -hmm. like it to feel like I'm learning a little something. Mm -hmm. Because I was at a point where I was like, I'm just like writing some thoughts down. And I'm not sure like where they're like how they would fit together or like Mm -hmm. what you would do with them. Yeah. And not that that's like necessary or essential, but for me, I felt like during this process, I would like to be like, I feel like I learned how to structure like Mm -hmm. a chapter or something. Mm -hmm. And I was super inspired by a conversation that we had years ago on this very podcast Mm -hmm. with Mary H.K. Choi when she uh, released her first book, Emergency Contact. And we asked her how she like learned to write a, a book and learned to write a YA book. And she basically was like, Dudes, I watched a YouTube video <laughs> and I watched a YouTube video on how to structure a three act, 27 chapter book and went from there. Mm-hmm. And I think for a long time I had given myself the excuse of, you know, not working on a writing project or not writing just like sort of creatively of being like, I don't really know how to do that. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's not like I took some creative nonfiction classes, like whatever, but I like, you know, I didn't like, we didn't go to a school where that was like actually. Mm-hmm that much of the curriculum or that Mm -hmm. much of the available curriculum. And so I just don't feel like I even know how you're supposed to do these things. And so clearly I'm not qualified to just sit down and write. Which, yeah. yeah.
1: Which I understand because it does feel really intimidating to write a book.
0: Totally. To write a story. You're like, how do I just sit, how do I attack this, approach this? Totally. So what I have done that I have found to be helpful that I started doing maybe a couple of, I don't know, like a couple of months ago, a couple of maybe like two months ago is I like watched a couple of these like YouTube videos, read a couple like blog posts about, you know, like truly just like Googling three act books Mm -hmm. or whatever. And then created an outline and like went through the process of like creating a spreadsheet and being like, okay, like here's Mm -hmm. like maybe what some of this might look like in like very broad strokes. And this will give me enough to feel like I have, a like vague game plan of what I'm supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. when I like sit down in front of a computer and like can sort of like force myself into this. I don't know. I love that. And how's it going? It's good. When I first started being like, I'm going to just like try writing and see how that goes. I was just like doing it when it made sense for me. And I think that was helpful for me to like manage my own expectations of how often and frequent and mm-hmm. like long I could work this into my schedule. So I've gotten to a point where I've landed on doing it for 30 minutes, four times a week mm-hmm. um, for now. Like any and particular time of day or any specific days? Like some, like some mornings, I prefer mornings, but that also means I have to like get my, get my act together, mm-hmm. you know, which is more challenging. Yeah. So some mornings, some like uh, weekends, like, you know, in the afternoon on a weekend is actually Mm -hmm. like super lovely to be like, okay, I did some chores and now I'm going to do this thing. And because I'm not sitting in front of a screen so much on the weekend that like, it doesn't feel just like another worky kind of thing to be doing.
1: How'd you land on 30 minutes?
0: I think in the beginning I was like, okay, I'm going to do an hour. And then an Mm -hmm. hour just felt like a long time to carve out of your day. Yeah and a lot to like be able to commit to with frequency that made it feel like something I was doing regularly. Mm-hmm. And 30 minutes felt like something I could bite off and also could like write 500 words or whatever. And right. Be like, well, that's like that. It, it doesn't feel like totally inconsequential. And are you timing
1: yourself and being like, OK, I did it? Or are you like, I'm going to do this at le- for at least 30 minutes and if I can keep going, I'll do more.
0: In most cases, I'm like, during the week, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this for 30 minutes because then I have to do other things or I have to like move on. On the weekends, like it's been nice to be like, oh, like that I ended up being able to like 45 minutes or an hour or like whatever it is. I don't think that I've written longer than an hour and a half Mm -hmm. um, at a time. Um, And I feel like that was like rare case. I really like logging it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're shocked to hear. Shocked. I'm sure you never would yeah. have guessed. I really like logging it in a spreadsheet. I find it deeply satisfying. Friend of the podcast, Maddie Kahn, is writing her first book, a nonfiction book, and she has been sharing screenshots of her word counts um, mm-hmm. on social media. And yeah. it, like, I've like, messaged her about it. It just like truly scratches an itch for me. To, like, <laughs> It's just like, I don't to know. To see it, her word counts. To see her word counts. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, or just like to to like know that she takes the same kind of satisfaction right, right, in right. it as I personally do. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like 30 minutes four times a week is also nice because it really does become a hobby in that way. You're like, this is something I do regularly throughout the week.
0: Exactly. And I do feel like there was a period of time... Where that was like the frequency with which I was exercising, Mm -hmm. and that was like four felt like good to me. Where it's like most days I do this, most days more days than you don't, more days than I don't. Exactly. Are you mapping it out at the beginning of the week and being like, these are the days I'm going to do it? Yes, and like actually trying to do it, like even a couple weeks or like a month out. Mm -hmm. And I think I have like a better handle now on like what days make sense based Mm -hmm. on like what our work schedules are, like Mm -hmm. what else is going on. Where I like know that. Mondays and Tuesdays are pretty much, like, always fine. Yeah. Um, And then, like, Wednesdays and Thursdays get spotty because of other stuff on the calendar. Right. Some Fridays are good. Some Fridays are harder. Like, whatever. Yeah. And not beating myself up if I, like, don't end up sticking to the schedule. Just being like, well, I'm going to do it four times this week. So, I'll just pick a different day then to do it.
1: And if you, like, miss a day, are you doing an hour on one day?
0: No, I have been just trying to do, like, four days. Because also, like… I don't know. I feel like I only map out writing on one of the weekend days. So mm-hmm. like I could pick up the other weekend day to make up for it. Right, right, right. That makes sense. But this is just like, you know, whatever dumb logic I've created in my head for what, <laughs> what, what makes sense. Right. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much to Modern Fertility for sponsoring today's episode. Before we get into this ad read, we do want to take a minute to acknowledge how painful the topic of fertility can be for so many people, to send our love to anyone dealing with infertility or pregnancy loss, and to encourage you, if you are struggling with it, to just skip over this part, Um, hit the 30-second fast-forward button three or four times, and you should be past this ad read. So... When I was like in my 20s, especially my late 20s, I was really struggling, as you know, Erica, with the question of whether or not I wanted to have kids at all. And I found it so painful. I was so jealous of you because you knew for sure you didn't want kids. And I was like, I just want to know one way or the other. And my feeling was like, I don't know if I want them. And everybody was like, maybe it's time to freeze your eggs. Like maybe that'll just give you the freedom to not think about it. But even that felt like a really big decision. It's really expensive. It's physically... Sort of an arduous process. And it's a commitment. Yeah, exactly. And I wasn't even sure if I wanted go there. And learning about modern fertility, it occurs to me that this could have been a great sort of like baby step before freezing eggs if I did decide that that was the thing I wanted to do. Reproductive health just does often feel like this giant mystery. And and it definitely did for me and still does to some extent, but it doesn't have to be. And your fertility hormones can be so revealing about everything from your egg count to your reproductive timeline and even possible outcomes for egg freezing and IVF. So it may have given me that like the freedom to say, okay, maybe, you know what, I have plenty of healthy eggs and I don't need I don't need to like rush into this decision or maybe this is something I, yeah, a nudge to just like to do it either way. And so with modern fertility, everything you need to know to get proactive about your fertility is in these tests.
0: That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with a doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two, you can get $20 off your test. Also, if you have an F HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on modern fertility. You can get insight into how many eggs you have, hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. The Results go deep into every hormone means, and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you want kids today, or maybe one day in the future, you want to get the information that will help make the decision that's best for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at the doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. Modernfertility.com slash a thing or two. Thank you so much for supporting the advertisers who support our show.
1: Tell me what you're doing. I have been trying to do a sketch once a day. I love it. Which I feel like if I like the thing that I learned about myself from becoming a runner is that if I have to commit to doing something daily or I just won't stick with it, that it's like. And if, actually, a friend, <laughs> a, this is really out of left field comparison, but I remember a friend who has a really active sex life with her husband who she's been with for years was like, you just have to do it every day. Like it has to be like, like her, her explanation of like maintaining a really healthy sex life in your marriage is like, it just has to be something that you do every day that comes routine. And I, it spoke to me about my running. I, it spoke to me because I was like, I understand that about running and, and the like analogy I've used about brushing your teeth. Like this is just something you do every day whether or not you want to.
0: Well, and we all just have like very specific psychologies that we yeah. have to like figure out and you know what yours is. It's yeah, like, exactly. you need a daily habit. Like yeah. that's what works for you.
1: Yeah. Um. So I haven't, at least at all, been sticking with it daily. But I have at least so far been trying the Gina Hammity thank you year approach, which is Gina Hammity wrote a book about this project she did where she wrote a thank you note for every day of the year. And she didn't do it every single day, but she would catch up on like four, you know, at a time. She missed some. And because sketches don't take that long, I can catch up. It's like, it's not a huge time investment. The thing that has made it hard to make it daily, which is still my goal, like I don't want to be missing a day. I think I would like to actually be doing it every single day is that I have to find a time of day to do it. Mm. And I just assumed that that would be the mornings because I feel pretty strongly about my claim that like the only time you can really instill a new habit is in the morning because it's the only time when you won't be interrupted by other people or tempted by like the television or a social engagement or whatever. Yeah. But what I found is that I'm just not awake enough. That's like an activity that I requires more focus. And and also oh, that's like, interesting. More like honestly, like muscle ability. Like I, <clears> you know, I run and, and spin or whatever, you know, do exercise in the morning, but it's kind of like mindless and it's, it's not like graceful or coordinated work, uh, physical work. And I just like, I don't, my, it's not fine
0: motor skills. No.
1: And, but I really don't have the like brain capacity to just wake up and start doing it. So, But I have found that I can do it at night. So I think what I'm going to try to be doing is making it like the last thing I do at night, which would be great because m- most nights the last thing I do at night is look at my phone. Um, yeah, no. This does seem like a, a a strong move, right? Like it it, it seems like I would look at, that would be a really healthy thing for me to do. To be like every night before bed, I do a sketch and then I close the sketchbook and I close
0: my eyes. Yeah, and it, it guarantees that you're like away. You get a couple minutes without screen time. Exactly, sure. exactly. Um, um, how long do the sketches take?
1: It really varies. Like honestly, I can do one in like a minute, or I yeah. can. It can take like maybe like five or 10 minutes. So the the type of sketches that I've been doing are these things called um, blind contour drawings or just like blind drawings, which is where you it requires like so much focus and presence, which is one thing I really like about it. But it's where you draw the contour of something in front of you without looking down at the paper. So like you would recognize this because it's just, it's a like a common art form. But for me, where I learned it is drawing classes. And I, it's like helping me a lot to break back into this habit that was a childhood habit that I took so many classes when I was younger because I can remember the exercises and stuff that they would make us do. Yeah. But I really love blind drawings for a couple of reasons. Like, One, it does require so much focus and presence and mindfulness. And the drawings often do turn out really like proportionally wonky, but the shapes and sort of gestures feel so right and accurate. And it's like this really beautiful, weird process where you think you couldn't possibly be drawing anything that's going to look like anything. And then you look down at your paper and you're like, well, I kind of see a body there. Like, and I I just also just generally like aesthetically as an art form like that, like I it's a little bit abstract and and it has a lot of character to it. And it's also just the minute you cheat a bit or lose focus and draw what you think you see instead of what's actually there, you can tell. It just like stops looking right. It takes on a totally different quality. And so you really do have to be super committed and focused. And I just like unabashedly love the metaphor in all of this that like, It requires so much presence and actual looking to accurately process and reflect what you're seeing. And then the moment you stop being present, you fall back on the idea of what you think something looks like instead of what's actually there. So you're like drawing what a nose looks like in your head versus the nose that's actually there, and you get it wrong and you miss something. And like, that's life. And if you, and like, my God, the number of just like social situations I misconstrue or, conversations I don't listen to well because I'm doing exactly that. I'm like putting it in the framework of what I think is already... Of, of what I think it is and what I recognize yes. and what is And what you think is me. coming next. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Versus just taking the time to really focus and hear the thing without applying my preconceived notions of what the thing is.
0: This sounds extremely meditative.
1: It is incredibly meditative in that way. It's, and like hard, but so all of that, I I mean, (laughs) I didn't even say that
0: because I'm like, well, it's something I could never do.
1: (laughs) I all, well, it's, and, and all of that is to say like, yeah, these things can take like five minutes and maybe like if I do such a bad job on it, that it's not even worth filling in, you know, the interior of the contour, then I just sort of like move on. And sometimes it's turning out well. And I'm like, well, I want to do the hair and I want to do the stripes on the shirt. And, The other thing that I like about blind contour drawing is like, because it's such a ridiculous premise, you're not looking at the paper that you're drawing on, you accept that it's very likely going to turn out incredibly poorly. And so it's nice to feel like something turning out poorly is not a failure when it's not that you didn't complete the assignment, but it's just like, that's the exercise. And yeah, I... I, I think that the other thing I like about it is like even when they are really bad, I can sort of see like the truth and authenticity in them. I'm like, I really did look at that thing. Like that is like, I, I can see the gesture. I can see that it's that this is like actually there. So yeah, it's been really nice to get back into it and just to have the practice. It's also been awful because I used to be really good as a kid um, or not as a kid, like as a younger person, like I just used to be much better at it. And I think this is true about picking up any old hobby that you used to be good at is that you suck at it when you start again. And you like, because you have the context of how good you used to be, it's so discouraging. Whereas if I'd never done it before, I'd be like, "Huh, I drew something that actually looks like a face. Like, look at that. Look at that. Yeah. But because I know that I used to be better, it makes it all the more tempting to just be like, oh, God, this is embarrassing. And I'm like so ashamed of what I'm turning out. I just shouldn't do it at all.
0: And to feel like defeatist about it or something. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And I think the same is like so true of exercise that like if you stop for a while, it's so hard getting back into it and knowing that you used to be able to run a seven minute mile or whatever is
0: like makes it all the more difficult to get back into But I do like what you were saying about the fact that because of the form that it is, like, you know, it's going to turn out wonky and like, Mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, it's not going to like, it. it's going to be like a very specific kind of piece of art that you're just less judgmental of. Yeah. I really appreciate that component of this. And I do think that that has also been something that's at least at this point been satisfying in writing and just doing it for a duration of time and like seeing words pile up Mm -hmm. of it just being like, Look at all those words. <laughs> like they are all yep. there. That makes and sense. that is like the goal. And like that is what is successful, not if they are strung together well or if it's like any good.
1: Yes, yes. I think i we talked about I think we both had mixed feelings about big magic, and it wasn't didn't feel like exactly right for us. But the one thing that did really speak to me about it and that I've thought about a lot since was this idea of like, doing something creative with no end goal, without like making money, without having a pretty thing to put on your wall at the end, without having a story that other people are going to read, but just doing it for the sake of doing it. And that remembering that there's value to that has been a really helpful thing for me in that way. And I, I think the same about just like you put the words on the paper. It doesn't matter
0: if they're good. Yeah. That's not what that it's about. Exactly. Are you looking back at the drawings that you've done? Um, I am. Yeah. Yeah. I am. How does that feel? It
1: feels good because there's a couple that I really like and they're not like so great. But another thing that has like added another dimension to this is that I have been drawing mostly pictures of Cameron and a lot of pictures of Cameron like with people. So Mm -hmm. I always have drawn from pictures. Like I'm not great photographs. at just Photographs. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I Or like, you know, occasionally if I have a live model in a class or like a still life or something to look at, but I'm not good at just drawing from my imagination. And so when I was a kid, I drew endlessly from fashion magazines. And now I've been pulling up pictures of Cameron in part because obviously like it's subject matter that I like, but also toddlers make like, just like the greatest shapes with their body. And they're obviously not self-conscious when they're getting their photo taken. So he's just always in these really interesting shapes. And there's also just so many great snapshots on my phone of him like in embraces with, with my father or like being held by Chris that are really sweet. And when I get that right, it's like so satisfying to look back on and see this sketch where I can recognize the...
0: The gesture. I
1: recognize the gesture, yeah, between like him and Chris. And so I do go back and look at those. And I also just... They also take on a sort of journaling quality, which I hadn't really appreciated until recently because... I did used to, I had, I've talked about how I was journaling more this past year. Um, and I was thinking about, well, if I start drawing more at night, which is when I usually journal, I probably won't journal as much. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, I think that this kind of, I think that's okay. I think yeah. there's like a little bit of, um, like, there's the same sort of reflection that happens, it just in a different way. And you said something really funny recently that like has really stuck with me when we were talking about remembering names and how I'm so bad Mm. at it. And I've always felt a lot of shame around that, especially compared to you who remembers everyone's name. And you were like, well, you probably can remember what they were wearing. Cause yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I totally can. And I was like, Oh, I never thought about, I never thought to be aware of the fact that that is how I reflect and remember and that there's like something to be said for that. And that's like, and that like, the fact, you read I take things
0: visually, like, the fact that he takes visually, and the fact that he takes so many way. pictures yeah. is a form yeah. of
1: journaling for me. You know, my, my camera yeah. roll is like packed to the gills, and I was like, "Oh, this." And I have always thought of the fact that he takes so many pictures as a form of journaling, but that made me realize, "Oh, that that drawing can be the same thing for me." Yeah, yeah, yes.
0: I'm really excited about this for us.
1: I am excited about it for us too. I really am. I think like. I'm also just interested in general in the concept of like returning to something that I used to do as a kid because I've reflected a lot lately on how much I've changed since I was a kid, like as we all have. But in short, sure. the things that I have lost since I was a kid and the way that those have been like either taken from me or just, you know, lost in general. And I, I and knew... And like feeling
0: sadness or like yeah, regret about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Feeling, feeling some regret about it. and And also just like... In general, you know, I think the last time I really understood flow, which is this concept that is coming up again a lot now, because it, it's the antidote to languishing. Like I, I knew the flow intimately and regularly as a kid because I used to do so much creative work and. I'm I'm just always really inspired by people who return to stuff that they did as a child. Like I, M- Molly Young has talked about how she like surfed as a kid and then stopped doing it and picked it up again. And I knew that Edith Zimmerman also had like drawn a lot when she was younger and then stopped and then came back to it as part of sobriety. And what I didn't know, but had read recently in an interview with her was that that's actually like advice that's given to alcoholics as part of their like path to sobriety hmm. is to return to something that they enjoyed as a kid. It was like, oh, that's interesting. That makes I, sense. That, that, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, it, it sort of like, like
0: helps you reconnect to who you are as like a, at your core. You yeah, know. Yeah. Um, like unencumbered by whatever adulthood has layered on.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: If people are pursuing creative projects, um, we want to hear about them and hear how you're approaching them and and how you think about the time you put into them and what you're getting out of them. So email us, DM us, call us. We love all that. Um, And we'll, we'll check in again at some point. That's right. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media and we are so, so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us to make this podcast happen, especially our outstanding producer, Brian Peoples. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com. If you love our show, consider supporting it by signing up for secret menu at, you guessed it, a thing or two HQ.com.